Welcome to the Life Church STL podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope this message encourages and inspires you. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. So last week, we spoke about Jesus coming into the midst of the room, right in the middle of the disciples after he had been raised from the dead and coming in that locked room and the things that he spoke over them and, right, you remember he spoke peace, first of all. They were afraid. They were maybe trying to figure out what was happening and and what was going on. Is this really Jesus? Like, it, it shocked them, right? I mean, you could imagine. But he spoke peace. Because he is our peace. And he said, I'm, I'm giving you myself, and I'm giving you my peace. And then he spoke power over them, right? And he gave us the Holy Spirit, and that is his power, who he is, and everything that he is, that he has given to us, and spoke purpose over them. Because God's people have a purpose to do his will, to be a light to those around us that need it, that are in darkness, so that they could come to know him. And just after that, in verse 24 of John 20, it starts, now Thomas called the twin, one of the twelve was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, we have seen the Lord. So he said to them, unless I see his hands, in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger in the print of the nails (laughs) and put my hand into his side. I mean, like, he is... Not only saying, I want to see him, he's saying, I, I, I want, like he said, I want my finger to go straight through the hand of Jesus to make sure that this is the guy. And not just see where he was pierced, but put my hand. Anybody else think, I'm like, dude, that's disgusting. Bro. But he said, put my hand into his side. Unless this happens, he says, I won't believe. And after eight days, so eight days after that morning when Christ was resurrected and he came that evening to his disciples and Thomas wasn't there, it says, and after eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, peace to you, speaking peace over them again. Then he said to Thomas, reach your finger here and look at my hands, and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, You have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. 
So according to John, you know, John, and as he's writing this, he doesn't, you know, specify where Thomas was. And I suppose it doesn't matter or why he was missing. I mean, I would, I want to know. I don't know about you. I, I want to know why he wasn't there. Was it a good excuse? But I don't think that's the point. He doesn't specify where or why he wasn't there. He just specifies that he wasn't there when Christ first came to show himself to the disciples. And this time it says that he's there. But when Thomas came and was with the disciples and they said, we have seen him. We've seen Christ. He's risen from the dead. Thomas says, Listen, unless I can put my finger through the nail hole and put my hand straight into his side, I'm like, what are, you, what are you wanting to feel in there, bro? You know? But unless I can not only see him, but physically touch him, I will not believe. And Thomas gets a bad rap, Right? I've even preached a little bit about this before, you know, it's like doubting Thomas. Oh, he, he, he had doubt. He lacked faith. But really, I'm the same way. He's me. Because so many times, I'm like, God, I want you to, you, you know, I, I, I need this to happen in order to understand and to know that, that, that you are Willing to do this thing, I, I got to see these things happen, and, and I'm trying to build up my faith. Like, God, if you do this, my faith will be even stronger. And, and I believe Jesus is standing there saying, why don't you have your faith stronger and see what happens? Why don't you believe without seeing and see what happens? But he says, I will never believe, Thomas. Like, these are his guys, right? These are his crew, the ones that he had been with all these years and all these times with Jesus, and, and they had built relationship and trust and knew he, each other, you know? And, and even these guys that he had lived life with for these past couple of years, and they said, we saw him, he's risen. And he's like, listen, I know you guys are saying this, but I just can't believe unless I see him and touch him. Back in verse 20. Now Thomas called the twin. One of the twelve was not with him when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. So he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print, of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. He wasn't criticized. See, in this scripture, he wasn't criticized for not being there. But he still missed out. I don't know about you, but I don't want to miss out. How do we miss out? We miss out when we don't show up. Are, are we showing up? 
Or do we have too many excuses? Like I said, I don't know what his, you know, thoughts were. You know, reading and studying about it, you know, they say that maybe he just was like so distraught and just bewildered that he just went away and was just sitting away on his own. And we don't know exactly. But he wasn't there. And I don't want to miss out. I've, you know, if you guys heard the term FOMO, fear of missing out, F-O-M-O. And, uh, you know, I think most of us have that. I know especially a couple of my, a couple of my kids do. Like, they do not like to miss out. And we don't like to miss out. I would say none of us do. Like, we don't want to miss what God's doing or what's happening, you know, in our lives or in the church or wherever. We don't want to miss out. But we do like to make excuses for not being where God wants us to be. We do have too many things, important things to do that are distracting us and pulling us away or aside so that we're not there when he wants us to be there. See, there was something special for those that were present that Thomas missed out on. They were able to see him, to trust him, to believe him, to, to know that he was alive and that he was raised from the dead and he wasn't there to be a part of that. But even Jesus doesn't fault him for not being there. But comes into that moment and comes when, now, he comes eight days later. Sometimes we like, God, why, why are you taking so long? And I see in this moment, I, I don't know exactly the reason, but I, I wonder if Jesus was just thinking like, let's let him stew in this for a little bit. He's heard and seen, or he's heard and, and, and talked to these people, and they have spoken to him and told him that I'm alive and, and well and have come to them. And, and he says, I won't believe until I actually touch him. He could have come in that moment, but he lets him wait. How many, I, I don't like waiting. Does anybody else like waiting? You guys sitting there like, oh, I love it. I love to wait. I'm so patient. But Jesus, he, he gives him eight days. He, he wakes a full week to show up the next Sunday to let him sit in that. And I, I believe, for me, at least in my life, when things like that happen, I believe that God is trying to get me to grow before he shows up. Not that he's not there, but before he does the miracle, before he does the thing that is needed in my life, he says, I want you to grow up and trust me in this process before I show up. 
But we have Thomas here in this moment, and he, he's, again, he's not just like, if I see him, but he's putting demands on God. He's saying that even if I see him, I'm going to have to touch him. He's going to have to let me. See, he's going to have to let me put my finger into his hand. But even in that, he's putting demands on God that would have already been met, on Christ that would have already been met if he would just have been there. If he would have just shown up, if he wouldn't have been too busy or, like I said, I don't know, I, I, I want to make up something so I can just say this is what it was, but it, I don't know exactly what it was, but he wasn't there. And these demands for God, for Christ, for his Savior that he is putting on God are demands that, that he would have not had to make. If he would have been there. I think about that sometimes. Like if, if I was. <laughs> yeah we like to get real spiritual. And real. You know. Demanding on God if you will. Whenever things are not going our way. When we can't see. How God is working in our lives. Or whenever things are difficult. And we start. Then, God, you know, maybe you don't think like I'm demanding of God, but sometimes, I mean, I feel like, I mean, that's what we do. But we put these demands or these, ask, these requests or, and ask him to move and, and do this thing that would have already happened if we had just been there. And I, I don't say this to like, you know, come down on any of you or me or us or whatever, anybody. But I say this just to say, I, I want to be there in the moment. And I want to not have to struggle with these feelings of doubt and, and uncertainty. And putting any kinds of demands on God because I, I want to be there in the moment that he comes to walk with him when he's there. And not demand to see him later. He said, unless I see in his hands, the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. I, <laughs> why didn't he believe? Now, we have to understand. See, you know, we're like, gosh, why didn't he believe, you know? Everybody else saw him, and they told him. But we have to understand that what he saw is something that we just have to imagine. He saw his teacher, his rabbi, his God being beaten and bloody and tortured 
He saw what they were doing to him, and he saw what they did to him, and he then saw with his own eyes that they hung him on a cross and that they nailed him to it. And this thing is, I'm sure, rolling around in his mind saying like, you know, I, I, I know that Christ raised Lazarus from the dead whenever he was here with us, and I saw these signs and these wonders, these miracles and these things happen when we were walking with Jesus, but now he was the one that was beaten and bruised and, and nailed to a cross and all, all these things. And Could you imagine? And when we think about it that way, he, he saw all these things play out and then to imagine or to, to believe that he was raised from the dead must have been a little difficult. But then in verse 26, John 20, 26, it says, And after eight days, as the disciples were again inside, and this time, Thomas was with them. I imagine, just like probably we all would be and should be, we missed out the first time be like I'm not going to be missing next time like I'm going to be there I don't care how long it takes I'm just going to stay here and after eight days his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them Jesus came doors being shut again you know it's interesting to think that like the last time you know a week before when he came there were doors were shut they were locked they're afraid people are going to get us you know, things aren't going well in our town. And we might be persecuted next. And then they see Jesus. They see that he's raised from the dead. And they see, and he, he, he talks with them. But even still, this next week it says the door is being shut. And they were shut up in this room. And he stood in their midst and said, peace to you. Again, first of all, I think that Christ coming in, the first thing he wants us to understand is that he is our peace. As many times, like even I think with Thomas, but many times the reason we get sidetracked, the reason that we get out of place and, and, and stop focusing on him and start focusing on other things. Many times that's fear or anxiety, all these different things. Because, it's because we've lost our peace. And what I love is that Jesus is speaking this straight away into them and saying, listen, I want you to understand that I'm your peace, and no matter where you are, no matter what's going on, no matter what's happening, that you can have peace in your life. Your life does not have to be full of turmoil and, and, and fear. Even in the crazy things that might happen, you can have peace, because 
the peace doesn't come from the situation. The peace comes from the creator, right? In John 20, 27, then it says, then he said to Thomas, and man, how loving and compassionate of Jesus that he comes. And I, you know what, if I was him, I'd be like, bro, I'm not even going to get close to you because I want you to just believe. Just look at me. You know, it's, am I the only one that would have done that? Been like, you want to put demands on me, not just see me, but then touch, put your finger through the hole in my hand, you know, like, I'm here, believe, have faith. But he comes in and he says, reach your finger, he, he doesn't push him away, he doesn't rebuke him for wanting to touch him. But he says, come in close. I, what? And I mean, really, I've seen that in my life. And this is what I, I, I want to say is that even those times whenever we put demands on God or when we missed it, whenever we weren't there or we've been too busy. Listen, I, there's been so many times in our life that we've been busy, more busy than we should. And it's taken our minds away from where God wanted us to be. And we were focused on whatever. The family and doing things at the house or, you know, like all these, you know, or even just work in general, you know, pastoring. But it becomes busy work and, and doing things and I get so caught up. That it's taking more of my time than it should away from just spending time with Him. Just spending that time coming close to Him. But even in that, He doesn't say, get away from me, kid. He doesn't say, fix yourself and then you can come close. What He does is He steps into that room. He comes in and says, hey... You may have missed out or feel like you missed out. You may feel like you missed it or, or it's been too long and, 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 and you know, you've been away from me too long or haven't been spending that time with me and, and you know, having these attitudes or whatever it is. So whatever those things are. I'm not just going to allow you to come to me. I'm going to come into you and then actually pull you in close. You may make demands on me, but it's not a demand because I actually want you to do it. I actually want to do this for you. Because I want you to believe. Because I want you to trust me. I want you to have the faith that you need to walk out the life that I've called you to. But then he, I, I, see, now he doesn't go just all nicey-nicey on him, okay? That's not what it is. But I do want to say that because even in our mess, he comes in close and, 
and pulls us in close. But then he's going to tell us what we should have done. I'm going to love on you a little bit and then tell you how to do it better, okay? I feel like that's what he was saying. Come in here, buddy. I'm going to give you a hug and then rebuke you a little bit. He says, look at my hands and reach your hand in here and put it in my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. So he says, listen, I love you, bro. I'm coming close to you because you're struggling a little bit. I'm going to wrap my arms around you. But then I want to tell you that I, you, need to, you need to have faith. And you need to believe and get rid of this unbelief that I won't be there, that I won't show up, or that I haven't been raised from the dead, or that I don't have the victory over sin and death, or that I have not defeated shame and sickness and all these things. But can you stand in faith that I have those things and those things are for you? In John 20, 28, it says, And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. I believe this was like a repentive moment, and we need to have that. Those moments that he comes in close to us and shows himself, reveals that he's there with us, that we like, thanks, thanks God. Now I'm going to go along with my business, or do we fall at his feet and say, my Lord and my God? So then Jesus explains to him. He says in verse 29, John 20, 29, Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, not only the fact that you wanted to touch me, but I'm going to take this. This is what Jesus does. He takes things a step further, right? Not only should you not, you know, lie, don't even think about it. Not only should you not commit adultery, don't even think about it. Not only this. He takes it a step further, right? And so in this moment, he says to Thomas, he says, because you have seen me, you wanted to not just see me, but, but to touch my hand and my side. Because you have seen me, you have believed. But he says, blessed are those who have not even seen. Blessed are those, not that didn't even just have to touch me, but have seen me. But no, blessed are those. This is a moment, it's a... It's a Another beatitude he's adding to the list after he was raised from the dead. Blessed are those who have not even seen and yet have believed. See, he is speaking to those. There, I'm sure were some that even believed in that moment even though they hadn't seen him. But I believe also he's speaking to us and saying, listen, Thomas got to, to have this moment with Jesus, but it's going to be even more blessed for those that come in the future that will believe and trust 
and know that I am God and that I have victory. They trust me and believe and, and move with me and walk with me, even though, not, not the, even though they haven't touched me, but even though they haven't even seen me, they will be blessed. Like the fact, I, I mean, think about, I, I, I like to take these things and maul over them and, and kind of see what they mean in, in, in our lives and, and, and for us. And to say it in a, a little bit different way is to say that, that the blessing that, that we get from believing and having faith in Christ right now is an even greater blessing than Thomas had by seeing him right in front of his face. Like, can you imagine that? Like, think about that. Man, if I was just one of those ones that actually saw him in real life, that, that was able to walk with him, if I was one of those people, you know, the disciples, the apostles, the, 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 the crew that walked with him and that followed him around, if I could have just done that. And Jesus says here, but there's an even greater blessing for those that don't even get to see me, but that come into my family and believe and trust me and walk with me even 2,000 years later. I'm going to take that. I'm going to take, right? Do we receive that, that blessing? Do we receive that miracle of being brought into the family of God and, and being a part of, of what he wants to do in this world, in our day? Do we see what a gift that is and what a blessing that is? First Peter 1, verse 8, says, Whom having not seen you love, even though you have not seen Jesus, and that word seen actually even means known, that, that even, if, even if you didn't get to know him, to be with him, and, and, and walk by his side, it says, having not known or seen him, that you still love him. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. See, seeing is not believing. Believing is seeing. See, believing is the true seeing. Because the things that we really need to see are not the thing. It's, it's not this carpet. That has a tag on the bottom, apparently. The, the things that we, that we need to really truly see is not this table here. Right? 
Those are the things that don't really matter. The things that we need to see are not the situations or the struggles or the, the things that are, you know, feeling difficult around us. Those are the things that don't really matter. The things that we need to see are the things that God is doing, who He is, what He wants to do in our lives, and how He's moving all around us. Those are the things that we need to see, and that happens by believing. So believing is seeing. You know, I've, I've, it's been a while since I've, I think, used this. But the book by C.S. Lewis, I think it's The Great Divorce. And, and that story and, and talking about going to heaven and that heaven being so much more real. That we think of the spirit world. This is my paraphrase of the whole book. Kind of. That we feel like this, this is, I mean, like I... I can touch this, I can feel it, I can see it, I can smell it, hopefully it doesn't smell, but I can smell it, like that, that, that somehow our senses can, can see the real things, right? But in that story, I loved how he explained that, that, that really in the spirit world, it's not that it's ghostly or, or like a vapor, the spirit world, but whenever we can understand and see heaven, that it is so much more real that our flesh in, in this world is like a vapor, not heaven. That when they stepped off the bus in this story, that they stepped down on the blades of grass and they were so green that, that you couldn't even comprehend it. And they stepped down on the blade of grass and, and when he stepped down he noticed that the blades of grass didn't bend because it was so real and he wasn't. And I, don't, I love pictures, I love stories, to see things in that way. And, and it helps me to understand this concept, this, this what I'm talking about, that, that seeing isn't believing. And that's what Jesus was trying to say here to Thomas. But believing is seeing. If you can trust and believe and know in <laughs> have that faith that he's with you that he's for you that he wants good for you that he wants to use you that you've been called That he's going to heal you. That he's going to restore you. See, these are, these are things that, that can't be seen with my physical eyes. But can be seen when I believe and trust in who he is. When I have the faith that he is asking me to have, then I can see those things. And those are the things that I really need to see because those are the real things. Because he's the real thing. I'm, I'm just a vapor. I, I'm just a ghostly figure. And I say that not saying, I mean, we're created in his image. We're beautiful. He's created us for good things. 
But compared to him, compared to what he wants to do through me or wants me to do, what I could plan or what I could do is just a mess. That's the real thing. I want to see the thing that he wants us to do. I want to do the thing that he wants us to do. We stand with me. Thanks for listening today. We pray this message encourages you. If you have any questions or you'd like to learn more about us as a church, you can always visit us online by going to lifechurchstl.com.